So tonight's reading is from Matthew 27, starting at verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Well, here we are again on the banks of the Bowen River in Brewarrina. Um, the weather's a lot more stable than last time we were here. Uh, instead of a wild dust storm, um, we're looking forward to a lovely mild evening. And this is all good news as this weekend we kick off uh, the River Convention. Now over the weekend, we're going to gather lots of times um, together with our brothers and sisters here in Brewarrina. But as you came along to church tonight, um, did you think it's a little bit strange to gather on an Easter Saturday? I mean, it's a day of relative silence in comparison to the days before and after. I mean, yesterday we just remembered and were moved by uh, the gruesome events of the crucifixion. Jesus breathed his last. Uh, The temple curtain is uh, torn in two. Uh, The earth shakes, tombs open, the dead are rising. Uh, Even the Roman centurions that nailed Jesus to the cross declare that he is the Son of God. Now, how do you follow all of that? And then, of course, tomorrow, um, we have the wonderful news of the resurrection where Jesus rises from the dead and death is defeated once and for all. But that's tomorrow. So what about tonight? What do we reflect on tonight? And well, as we read that short passage from Matthew, um, you might have thought that, well, it's just a bit of filler, um, and especially at first glance, uh, when we might think that Matthew is just highlighting a few incidental details. But there's more going on here. There are important things for us to realise, especially about those who follow Jesus and those who don't. So before we do that, why don't we open in prayer? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you that we can gather together as your people, especially this special weekend where we can gather for a third time here on Saturday night. And so, Lord, we pray you'd bless our time together as we look at your word, uh, open up our hearts and our minds so that we will respond to your word the right way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, first off, friends, when Jesus calls you to follow him, He doesn't ask you to check your brain at the door. He doesn't want you to have a a blind faith. God was never interested in that. He wants you to base your faith 
upon facts, upon evidence, upon eyewitness evidence. And so here we see Matthew in his gospel uh, recording eyewitnesses, the names of women and Joseph, building evidence and confirmation that Jesus really was dead. And we're told exactly which tomb he'd be laid in. And it's as if Matthew is saying, now, did you get all that? Are you sure? I can tell you exactly which tomb it is. Not just any tomb, it's jo the tomb of Joseph. And now, keep your eye on that tomb. Keep your eye on the body. And of course, if Matthew was making all this up, um, surely you would not do it like this, would you not? I mean, firstly, you wouldn't have as your first witnesses women um, when in these days the testimony of a woman in a court of law was invalid. Nor would you actually have this situation where the tomb was later secured by the authorities a day later. You'd be doing it on the same night, the same day, on fr Friday. So you see, all these sort of strange aspects or surprising aspects to the record actually only add to its authenticity. Because Matthew wasn't making this up, he was, really was recording factual events. But reflecting on the evidence is not all that Matthew wants us to do. He wants us to think deeper, for there's much more for us to realise here, and especially as we reflect upon the people in this record. So firstly, we read about the faithful female followers. I've got the verse here on screen from verse 55. Many women there were there, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary, Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now the first thing you might notice here is that they were faithful. They were at least there, which might make you think upon, well, who wasn't there? Most obviously, the 12 disciples weren't there. The mother of James and John were there, but they weren't. And did you notice that phrase, watching from a distance? That brings to memory that news that when Jesus was arrested, Peter followed from a distance, but then he backed away. But the women were there and they followed all the way to the cross. And you might think, well, why didn't we hear about these ladies earlier? Because, I mean, they'd been following Jesus all the way from Galilee, from the very beginning, following Jesus, caring for him. Well, actually, I think Matthew's included them here as model followers of Jesus. But you see, much of the Christian life is not showy. It doesn't really get noticed. It's, it's not up front with attention. Rather, God really loves the people who quietly serve. You know, if you ever pick up a tea towel and help clean up after dinner on a Saturday night, that really warms the heart of God. He wants us to be faithful day in and day out, following Jesus all the way to the cross like these ladies. So they're to be an encouragement to us to be faithful followers. But before we move on, it's actually also worth noting and thinking about one of the ladies in particular. Did you notice that they talk about the mother of the sons of Zebedee? I mean, she's not even named. We don't know her name, but we have met her before. Do you remember? Um, she had that sneaky request for Jesus. She wanted the best for her boys, James and John. She wanted one of them to sit on the right and one on the left of Jesus as he came in his kingdom. Now, at that point in time, actually, she really didn't know what she was asking for. Um, she was wanting glory, but glory the world's way. And before we 
look at that and tut tut and think, oh, you got it all wrong. Um, at some point, we've done that as well, haven't we? We've yearned for worldly glory and we've asked Jesus to serve our agenda rather than humbly letting him lead us. But here we see this lady now standing at the cross, forgiven, because that's what Jesus died for, to forgive sinners, no matter what sin we've done. And now she truly will be able to enjoy glory with Jesus when he comes in his kingdom. So first of all, we think about faithful followers, followers that are forgiven. And next, we come to a miracle man. Okay, so we're going to read that from the passage. From verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea, named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. What are we seeing here? Well, first of all, we're seeing courage. I mean, because crucified criminals of the first century Roman Empire were usually left to hang by the roadside and rot in full view of the passing traffic. But Joseph has resolved not to let that happen to Jesus. Now, remember, the charge against Jesus was treason. So he's taking a big risk. Joseph is actually going to go up to the authorities and publicly associate himself with Jesus, a convicted criminal. And again, we can't help but remember some of the disciples, especially Peter. So here we see Joseph publicly declaring himself to be with Jesus, standing before the leader of the Roman Empire in that place, who had the power of life and death. While earlier, just a day earlier, Peter stood before a servant girl and denied knowing Jesus at all. So as we reflect upon Joseph, we have to remember that being a follower of Christ, it actually takes courage to speak up, to stick out, to not be ashamed of Jesus and his words. I guess that's the question for all of us tonight, isn't it? As we think about this weekend, would we stand up for Jesus even in the face of possible persecution? And so as we read on, how does Pilate respond? Well, to this big request, well, in verse 58, we read here on the screen, going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Well, you wouldn't have expected that. I mean, Pilate would never have allowed this to happen if he thought that Jesus was guilty. But we know that he knew he was innocent all along. He knew that he had done nothing to be worthy of death. So here we see in Joseph great courage. But also in this whole event, we actually see fulfillment as well. Have a look as we read on from verse 59 here on the screen again. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. A new tomb cut out of the rock would have been a costly thing. And Matthew has told us here that, that Joseph was a wealthy man. But you know, 700 years before this event, Isaiah was writing about this death, the death of Jesus. In fact, he provides a running commentary about the death of Jesus. In Isaiah 53 verse 9, he says this on screen. He was assigned a grave, that is, the servant who was sacrificed for us. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. So you see, even though that was written so many years, so many centuries beforehand, we can see that 
Everything was taking place according to the plan and purpose of God. But I start off by saying Joseph was a miracle man. Well, why do I say that? Well, because he was a rich man. And what do we know about the rich that we've learned as we've studied Matthew's Gospel this term? You might remember the rich young man that seemed so keen to want to follow Jesus, but he ended up walking away because of his great wealth. And this is what Jesus had to say after that event, here on screen from chapter 19, verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so here we see a man with the dead body of Jesus, reaching, risking not only his possessions, but his life to be a follower of Jesus. An example of the miraculous power of God. Now, in stark contrast to the woman and Joseph, which is sort of this lovely story of faithful following of Jesus, we're now taken into a godless gathering of pathetic plotting. I've been working on my alliteration this week. Let's read from verse 62. Verse 62. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. Now, if this scene was not so tragic, I think it would be seen as a parody. I mean, everything is the opposite of what it should be. First, we have Jewish religious leaders gathering on a Sabbath day not to worship God, but actually to grovel before a Gentile Roman leader. And then they have the hide to call Jesus a deceiver who only ever spoke the truth. And yet these religious leaders fabricated lives to get him crucified. I mean, the irony here is palpable. And it continues as we listen to their plotting. If we read from verse 64. So give the order of the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. Now did you hear that word that kept being repeated? Secure. Make the tomb secure as best you can. But try as they might, we know that it's an utter waste of time. We've just had earthquakes and rocks splitting. What difference will a guard make to the one who can shake the earth? They don't know who's in the tomb, and their plotting is utterly pathetic and powerless. Now the sad thing is, is that such plotting has not come to an end. It still happens today, as people confidently dismiss Jesus and the claims of the Bible. In isolation, um, such opposition might really seem strong and powerful, even persuasive. But that's just the way it would have looked as these high-ranking authorities in Jerusalem plotted against Jesus. People plot and plan to keep Jesus well out of the way of their life. But friends, if Jesus is who he claims to be, 
and who he's shown himself to be. Well, then such plotting is as powerless today as it was back then. And again, as we see this scene play out, we see even more fulfillment. You might remember from the second chapter of Psalms, where we read from the screen here, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed. You see, as Jesus lay in the tomb, I could imagine those opposed to him were feeling pretty powerful, pretty confident in themselves. And yet in just a few hours, the Lord's anointed will rise to become the living king who will inherit the whole earth. Friends, our response to King Jesus is just so important. Those that conspire against him will face judgment and destruction. Yet, all those who take refuge in him will be blessed. Well, the choice is obvious, is it not? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank and praise you for your word. And even these little incidental events in between your death and resurrection have so much in them for us to learn. Please help us to be like the faithful followers, like the ladies and Joseph. Help us to be able to stand firm and follow you, even when times are tough and we face opposition against the people that seem so powerful and confident in their opposition before, before you. So Lord, please help us to be able to be people who stand firm and follow you uh, and look forward to that day where we will be indeed with you in glory, living out eternally with you in your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray.